Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Every night on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. What can India learn from South Korea's second wave? It's day 120 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India, and we are reporting 1,58,333 cases with 4,531 deaths. South Korea was one of the first countries outside of China to have a significant outbreak, beginning all the way back in January. On January 24th, South Korea announced its first two cases, both persons who had travelled into the country from China. From then on until the 17th of February, there was a trickle of cases every day. most related to incoming travelers from east and southeast asian countries and their relatives on the 18th of february the government of south korea confirmed that patient 31 had tested positive in the city of daegu from there began a spike that came to be known as a super spreader event patient 31 was a member of the shincheonji religious organization and continued to attend its events even after showing symptoms between february 19 and 20 South Korea's caseload suddenly tripled and the health agency attributed it to patient 31. In all the Shincheonji church had contributed to 4500 cases or 2 out of every 3 in South Korea by the first week of March. By the end of March South Korea had 10000 cases. But if South Korea's early lessons were around the dangers of a super spreader event among people who might not feel comfortable coming forward it subsequently became associated with another thing. mass testing South Korea's quick contact tracing and isolating came in for a lot of praise but it was its testing strategy that really became a benchmark for other countries particularly those with comparable resources the country quickly developed the ability to test first over 10000 and then over 20000 people per day many of them in drive in or walk in centers where people could get tested within 10 minutes and get their reports within 24 hours on their phones The Korean government covers the cost for testing for those with suspected symptoms or in recent contact with confirmed cases. Anyone else can pay the equivalent of 125 US dollars to get tested with fees reimbursable from the state run health insurance. Undocumented foreigners are also eligible for testing without any risk to their status of stay in the country. By April, South Korea had flattened its curve and new cases were in the single digits by the second half of April. If all of this was a lesson in what happens when you help people come forward what followed was the opposite As cases appeared to subside the government opened restaurants gyms parks and bars Then on May 1st a young man visited at least 5 nightclubs in the Itaewon district of Seoul known to be its gay district and one of the nightclubs was clearly identified in the media as a gay club What followed in the weeks after was a spike in cases there were more than 250 cases in 2 weeks and at least 160 cases were related to the nightclub cluster but what also happened and this is the part of the story that holds lessons for india is that in the case of the nightclub cluster south korea's famed contact tracing faced some difficulties because of the stigma that still exists in south korean society over being gay this had an immediate impact with gay south koreans reporting an uptick in the homophobia they faced and it's only going to get worse In response to the cluster the government has announced that it will make visitor logs to nightclubs QR code based which could well mean that many people who might not be out to their families or co-workers will be scared for their identities in the coming times This of course also has an immediate public health impact 
the index patient of that cluster had had 1300 contacts before he was isolated but many could not be traced because they were not comfortable coming forward this story repeated for many of the young men who tested positive in that cluster for a country that takes contact tracing very seriously even this deep into the pandemic this becomes an area of concern Korea's Center for Disease Control and Prevention said that it was unable to identify the route of transmission for 6.8% of patients over the next 2 weeks which was up from the earlier weeks. The percentage of patients who test positive after being identified through contact tracing and placed under self quarantine had fallen below 80% which was a low they said. All of this made me think of the backlash that Muslims in India faced after the Tablighi Jamaat cluster. Tabassum Barnagarwala, the Indian Express reporter in Mumbai who I spoke to earlier, had a report that showed that 40% of the deaths in Mumbai were of Muslims. She explained the impact that the combination of fear among Muslims and the fact that many of them lived in dense housing had. I think a big issue has been after this Tablighi Jamaat thing, even though Maharashtra did not have Tablighi cases, they have just 69 cases hmm. and only one death has been linked to Tablighi. Okay. Uh, what had happened was uh, people were... people were really scared in the minority community of reporting symptoms right. and uh, i think there was a gap in government realizing this and quickly addressing it i mean using religious leaders molanas to convince people to come out and report symptoms uh, it took time to start that procedure right meanwhile a lot of people uh, in the muslim community started falling sick and most of these are from chawls and slums okay where social distancing is difficult where even awareness about you know the symptoms and reporting it the whole system of how you know you fall ill you go to a quack you get medicine that whole procedure was actually delaying their hospitalization right. i think that was a major reason why there were so many deaths in muslims because we saw residential and high rise areas where muslims were getting the infection and right. they were not spreading it to others right but in slums and chawls there was it was like a wildfire it is like a wildfire it also made me think of what can happen when a society decides not to be that way i am not one for uncritical romanticization of kerala but when i spoke to the mins reporter nidhi shemke earlier this month i told him i was struck by the fact that despite the early cases in kerala being of muslims it had not been weaponized against them this started as an imported disease yeah. now you know uh, going abroad uh, searching for a prosperous life that's in the dna of every malayali whether he belongs right. to hindu muslim christian right a kerlite mean he moves that's his whole purpose so he moves everywhere across the globe that applies for christians in south kerala they'll right. go to italy they'll go to the uh, the second wave started with three italy returnees i see the first wave started with three chinese return wuhan returnees right. or as you said you know two of them i guess at least two of them were muslims right. but uh, that's what every kerlite does uh, yeah. the gulf actually right now gulf accounted accounts for some more than 70% of the cases in kerala right uh, obviously muslims move more than the others to gulf uh, but that never was an issue that was never seen in that way you know, right except a few murmurs about this tablighi incident right. uh, it was never seen as a uh, one religion spreading this virus not being homophobic or islamophobic shouldn't need any additional imperative besides the basic human one but right now it is also a public health imperative the pandemic is destroying so much families communities livelihoods 
it would be a tragedy if it further destroyed the social fabric too thank you for listening this episode was edited by anand krishnamurthy tomorrow a new question